You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right, what's, what is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path? The Word of God. Amen. All right. Oh, man, I turned that on. I thought I turned it off. That's weird. Okay, well, if you have your Bibles tonight, turn to the book of Colossians, and we're going to continue talking tonight about a model ministry, a model ministry, and I say a model ministry because it's a ministry of service, and really that's, uh, you could say that's a little uh, redundant, a ministry of service, because that's what ministering is, uh, but it is service, serving the Lord. Uh, Did anybody ever learn the acronym JOY, J-O-Y, the acronym JOY? Amen. So Jesus, others, and then yourself. Uh, what did I call that? That's an acrostic. I don't know what I called it. Uh, I called it an acronym. That's not an acronym, but an acrostic. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. And if you were to look at that, how, how are you lining up on that? Jesus first, others second, yourself last. And that really is the way to joy. And uh, so the, the model ministry includes service, but includes something else that we're going to see tonight uh, that may be a little bit harder to swallow. It may not be harder to swallow, it is harder to swallow. So let's look at that tonight in Colossians chapter number 1. And we're going to read here, just in, beginning in verse 23 once again. The Bible says, If you continue in the faith, Grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. So that's where we're focusing. I am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister. So I am a minister of the gospel. I've been made a minister of the church uh, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. So I want to stop right there just for a second to kind of recap a little bit. Number one, do you remember the, what the word uh, servant there, or I'm sorry, minister, can you remember one of the applications or another way that word is used, minister, uh, the way it's used in the Bible? That's right, it's a servant, but it's even more of a specific type of servant. Uh, If you remember, it comes from the word uh, deaconos, the Greek word deaconos, which is where we get the uh, more of a common church word or title, deacon. And what, the first deacons you ever read about in the Bible, what were they doing? They were waiting tables. And it's the same word that Jesus said, I came to wait tables, uh, basically. I came to serve. Uh, he said that used the exact same word. He come to serve, to minister, to wait tables. <laughs> uh, and, of course, Jesus said this. He says, For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. And, again, the idea there is that he is the exact same word, I'm come to serve. Uh, how do you want your server to be when you go get food somewhere? Don't you like having a good server? Am I the only one? 
Uh, I like having a good server. I like having a, a, a pleasant server. I like having someone that is uh, trying to make sure, I mean, I, I like it when they bring, you know, the, the biscuits out right away if I'm at Cracker Barrel. Or the, the chips and salsa out. I mean, I'm, that, bring me that. And you see my chips getting low? Bring me some more chips. Bring, have my water there. I mean, right, I want to have a good, someone, and maybe, maybe if you're a heavy water drinker, maybe they just say, you know what? I'm just going to bring you the whole pitcher out. Then leave me alone, all right? Kurt's like, go ahead and bring me two, two or three baskets of chips, two pitchers of water, and don't talk to me anymore. But either way, the, the idea is that they're willing to serve, all right? But here's what Jesus said. He sat down and called the twelve and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. You want to do something great for God? He said, serve. Be the servant of all. Don't, don't try to be the first. Just be content to be the last. Now, again, it means to minister, to wait tables, to wait upon. I thought, man, how about this verse? Some of you are familiar with it. Psalm 84, verse 10. I, I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in tents of wickedness. How about you? I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. When it comes to service, man, don't think that you've got to do the biggest, best job and you're not going to do it if it's not the biggest, best job and if it's not recognized. I love the attitude of the psalmist there. He says, you know what? Just let me open up the door. Just let me stand there. Well, they can open up the door themselves. Well, I know that, but I'd like to stand there and do it for them. Amen. I'd like just to be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. I'd rather do that than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. And so... Last week, we looked at sharing the gospel, and that's where he says, I'm a minister of the gospel there in verse 23. Um, the Bible says uh, in 1 Timothy 1, verse 11, the glorious gospel that's committed to my trust. We have been given the gospel. And what a great privilege, what a great gift we have. But as stewards, we ought to share that with other people. Then also, he is serving the church. He said he's a minister uh, to the church. I'm made a minister according to the dispensation um, of God. So we are stewards in the church. We're stewards of the gospel. We're stewards in the church. And then we looked at that word dispensation that's used there in verse number 25, and it literally means uh, administration or to administer, to, uh, to, to be accountable for, to be a steward of. And we begin to talk about the stewardship of man. And then last week, uh, one of the things that we started talking about, I had to text Chad today because he and I have talked about it. I've known this principle, but I can't ever remember, I've never really learned it as far as for what it's called. And that is, we asked the question last week, and people were so quick to respond uh, on, does God need you and me? Because Paul was made a minister of the church, a minister of the gospel, and we, he's, been, he's given us something over which we're stewards. And I asked Chad if he would to come tell us what that is tonight and uh, give us a little breakdown. So you'll pray for him. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you hate to be on his... Or are you going to just do it right there where you are, aren't you? Come on up. Get in the microphone. That way people on Facebook can see you. You're famous now. You're worldwide. I don't know if he's going to forgive me. It was the funniest thing whenever his... Uh, uh, his dad came along and said, he, he joked around and said, if he calls on me to pray, I'm not coming back. And sure enough, guess what I did? I called on him to pray. Uh, but I, I appreciate Chad because we've had that conversation before. But isn't that an interesting point, though? I mean, uh, you don't realize how biblical that is. 
Uh, you know, we, we think it is prideful to say God has chosen the, to need us, but he, he does. He's chosen that. And again, just like anything else you hear there, if that's, that might take you aback to start with a little bit. But remember, there's nothing that we teach or preach here that we're trying to get you to believe on the basis of us telling it, telling it to you. We want you to study it for yourself. And again, uh, the principle there is called God's mediatorial rule through mankind. God's mediatorial rule through mankind. I wrote it down this time. But, uh, but that, that's the idea of us being stewards. How is your family going to hear the gospel how are the people around you going to hear the gospel? Uh, it's not God's responsibility, is it? He has given us this wonderful opportunity. So it's just a cool uh, principle that we could uh, probably teach and preach a lot on. That's what Chad said when I first asked him to say something. He's like, man, he said, well, it's kind of pretty in-depth. I mean, it's, uh, there's a lot that could be said about it. But, uh, but so we have a stewardship there. Um, so... He is a servant. He is willing. And, and, and so that, that's where we ended and kind of was really emphasizing last week that God has given you so much and God in return just wants you to be willing to serve him. He wants you to be willing to surrender your life. Some verses that were repeated over and over again. And I know my wife can agree with me on this. Uh, and I'm so glad for the preaching and teaching that I heard from the time I got saved on. But I don't know uh, how many services would go by. And we went to a lot of different church services and stuff. I mean, just almost on a weekly basis besides our regular church services. Uh, and, and how often we would hear Romans 12, 1 and 2. I don't know that I ever sat down to try to commit to memory Romans 12, 1 and 2. Maybe I did, but I'm pretty sure, Kim, I just heard them so often that I memorized them. And it is, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, living sacrifices, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And I could go into verse 2, but I'll just share more of that verse, the reasonable service. And so what God wants you to do is to, and I, I love saying this, He wants you to present your body to Him. And I love just changing the pronunciation there a little bit because I don't think the meaning changes too much to say that He wants us to present our bodies to Him. Has God ever given you anything? Has He given you something greater than you could ever give Him? Amen. What's the greatest thing He ever gave us? Amen. His son, eternal life. And then we sit here tonight and we can look around and think about all these other ways God's blessed us. And God just says, you know what? I, I love the song that we uh, sang. I believe that's the song we sung tonight. No, maybe it wasn't. But, it, but how, how that talks about drops of grief can never pay. That's all we sung tonight. Uh, but, but, that, but there's that great verse that says in that song, but drops of grief can ne'er repay at the cross, but drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away, tis all that I can do. Because here's something we all need to understand tonight. God will not take your will from you. Which is to say, God will not make you do anything. Now, He can, he can orchestrate circumstances to where you, had, you may wish you had done what God said to do, uh, but He will not make you do anything. God today, he could, God could take my life. There's a lot of things God could take from me. He could take my possessions today. He could take uh, so much. He could take my health. 
He could take my family. He could take so much away from me today. But there's one thing he will never take, and that's my will. If God's ever going to have your will, you're going to have to give it to him. You're going to have to give it to him. He will not take your will. You've got to be willing to give him your will. So I, I beseech you, I beg you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies to Christ. Now, it would be okay, I suppose, and maybe a little bit easier, number one, if you said, as we talked about last week, if I surrender to God, that would be great, as long as I know what he's going to tell me to do. If I tell God I will go anywhere I need to know where he may send me first. If I tell him I will do anything, Lord, I'll do anything. Just let me know what it is first so I can sign off on it. Uh, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do, but I need to make sure. Isn't it crazy the trust issues that we have with this God of ours? It's kind of sad, isn't it? Uh can, can we or can we not trust him? And, and we just need to address that and say, Lord, forgive me for not trusting you. Help me to surrender. Because I'm telling you, you're looking at a guy that struggled with it. I shared that with you last week. You're looking at a guy that realized what surrender really meant and realized what it really meant to say, here, Lord, take it all. Take my body, take my life, take my plans, take my dreams, take it all. It's yours. And I understood what that meant. And Christian, I was scared to death to do it. I hesitated. I would still come down to the altar and I would say, Lord, I'm 99% willing. But God, please help me to get to 100. Please help me to be 100% willing. And I struggled with it and I struggled with it. And, till and, and it's, again, I, I, I'm, I'm not proud of saying that, but because why can't I just trust God? Uh, but praise God, I come to the point where I said, you know what, Lord? Here it is. I don't care where it is. I don't care uh, who it's with. I'm going to trust you. And praise God. And, and here's the thing that we've got to understand. What, are, what, what do we think God's going to do anyway? Or do we really think that God's back here like he's just this prankster? Or he's this trickster, you know? And he's like, oh, come on. Yeah, you can trust me. You can trust me. Bam, gotcha. I'm messing your life up, buddy. You're done. Now, he may send you somewhere that you wouldn't have originally chosen to go, like South Dakota. He may call you to do something that you would not have originally chosen to do. That, that may very well be true. But I'm telling you one thing. Whatever it is he calls you to do, you wouldn't trade it. You would not trade it because our God is good and he knows better than me. Man, I'm glad I didn't have my way. I'm glad God didn't say, well, I'm smart, but boy, you're awfully smart too. And you know going to South Dakota, you, you probably know better than me even though you've never been there and you hadn't been around for, you know, all eternity. But you probably know better than me uh, about how things would be there. So, so, so if you don't want to go there, you just pick because, no, I'm glad God, I mean, I'm glad God didn't do that. I'm glad God did not let me choose. I'm glad God didn't let me choose. And I say that because I think sometimes we think, if I could just choose. God, this is what I'm going to do. God, you bless it. No. There's a God that loved you and me enough 
that while we were yet sinners, you think about this for a minute, while I am struggling, this God that miraculously saved my soul, changed my life, I mean, the one that bled and died for me on the cross, hadn't been anything but good to me, and here I sit trying to decide, God, I just don't know if I can trust you or not. How do you feel when people don't trust you? Now, we've earned it a lot of times, haven't we? Now, you say, you don't trust me. Well, it's like, my gosh, well, you could, you, we can lose trust. We're, we're human beings. But when we feel like we've been doing things right, I mean, I, you know, I think I'll just, I'll just use the illustration. more. I've been married to my beautiful, lovely wife. I mean, the girl of my dreams for, uh, you know, going on 20-something years. How old are you, Hannah? 22, 23, 24, I think it's going to be 24 years this year. I don't know, but, uh, and I can't do math in my head that quick, so I'm not even going to try. But, uh, but the point, point I'm saying is, it, it would be a terrible thing to me, and, and me giving her no reason to do so, if she didn't trust me. If she didn't trust me, if she didn't trust me, you know, being, you know, be, being uh, leaving the house or doing this or that, that would hurt. But, but here's the point I'm just trying to get to, and I, maybe I'm belabored a little bit. But here I am, God Almighty, having a big old bucket of blessings and just saying, you surrender, you just surrender. Yeah, I, you don't want to go there, but you're going to find out there's nothing better when you get there. You don't want to do this, but you're going to find out that there's nothing greater or nothing else you would have ever done with your life. I can't wait to do it for you, man. I can't wait to bless you. I can't wait to pour it on you. My God is so good that that's his attitude when I'm sitting here thinking, I don't know, God. Amen. After all, you know, I mean, <laughs> think about this for a minute. He's God Almighty. I think I would reach down and just slap the head off of my shoulders. I don't know, Lord. What are we thinking? But that's not him. He's patiently trying to draw He's patiently trying to give us another opportunity. He's so good. He really is. I mean, I'm telling you, God, God, God I mean, it would have made total sense to me if, if through the time when I'm deliberating all these months, I don't know if I can really trust you or not, Lord. It would have made total sense to me if God would have just said, I'm, I'm done with your stupid hide. What are you talking about you can't trust me? But the reason God don't do that is that he's patient, he's long-suffering because we're all a bunch of humans and he knows who we are. And he knows what he has to work with and it's this. All right? So he's patient, he's long-suffering. Uh, by the way, can I give you something else that I just thought about today? Uh, I'm going to give it to you whether you want me to or not. But I was just, I was thinking to myself today, how I like to beat myself up. Anybody else like to beat themselves up? But God kind of got, got, got me a little bit on this. Because sometimes I'm being a little sneaky about this thing. Because I'll beat myself up, Ron, about not doing what I need to be doing or being who I need to be. But it's almost my way of excusing myself because I'm not doing anything about it. I'm not making an effort to change. 
I'm just going to keep pouting about it rather than, and it's almost like I'm excusing myself. Well, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, that, that's kind of what I'm doing. It's, it's, it's the same thing. You, you go back to some of those Roman Catholics it's, or, or even some of those early Puritans, scourging my back. Well, if you're not going to change, that's not doing you any good. But as, as crazy as it sounds, there's something about hurting yourself that makes you feel better. Don't, hey, listen, don't deceive yourself into thinking by you hurting yourself that you're feeling better. You may be feeling better, but you're not doing any better. You're going to beat yourself up and beat yourself down and woe is me. And uh, nah, man, listen, there's a such thing as guilt in getting things right. But don't trick yourself into thinking by you beating yourself up that it's uh, uh, making everything okay. Uh, man, just say, Lord, uh, forgive me and help me to go on. Man, it's hard to be willing to surrender, especially when there's this. And this is what I was going to get to, especially when there's this next point. Uh, notice what the Bible says here, uh, going on into uh, verse number... Uh, let's, let's jump all the way down here to verse number 28. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Wherefore also I labor, striving according to his work, which worketh in me mightily. Okay, so he's working, he's striving. Go all the way back to verse 24 with me, real quick. Chapter 1, verse 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings. Now I'm trying real hard here to sell you on service and putting other people first being the way to true joy and happiness. By the way, I think this is illustrated so much in the world today, even, even in so many ways. But I was just thinking about this for anybody that follows uh, sports at all, especially if you follow college basketball. So I know there'll be at least a couple that know what I'm referring to. But uh, there's a, a player for, I was mentioning Duke and Carolina on Sunday, and there's a player for Puke, uh, Duke uh, University that uh, just recently decided that he's going to set the rest of the season out. He's not playing the rest of the season. He's projected to be a lottery pick. And there's some people out there that are actually bold enough to say, this Jalen Johnson, he's willing to come, they're willing to come out and say, dude, this guy's quitting on his team. Yeah, he's had some foot trouble, but that's not the main reason he's sitting out. He's had issues with the coaching staff. He's not getting to play much because he's not wanting to play defense and these different things. But the people that are coming out saying, the dude's quitting on his team. You can't quit on your team. Those people are getting land, lambasted. Why? Because they're saying, uh, man, this dude's got to look out for himself. He's got to look out for number one. Man, blah, 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 and this and that, and the university's using him and this. And, but it's like, wait a second, dude. But you committed to this team. Could those players not use you? Could they not use your commitment? You know, what happened to team? What happened to, you know, putting yourself out there for others? So we're getting further and further away, all of us. Human nature doesn't like it, but the generation coming up, they're inundated with this stuff. As it's number one, if it feels good, do it. You know, uh, make yourself happy. But I'm telling you, if you really want to make yourself happy, try to be a blessing to somebody else. Serve someone else. Deny yourself. Put Jesus first. Put others second. Put yourself last. So that can be a hard enough sell for some people, but I think people can get it because we can serve and find out how much of a blessing it is to serve. But what about this? 
who now rejoice in my sufferings. So now I'm going to try to sell you on something else. Uh, the joy of suffering. I think, I think Joel Osteen's next book is going to be Your Suffering Life and How You Can Enjoy It. I, that's not going to sell. I don't want to read a book about suffering. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you here. Now, and this is why I, th I think about these things, because I'm trying to encourage you tonight, but I can remember where I was at, and I'm embarrassed to admit these things. I don't know if y'all are anything like me or not. Uh, I'm sure maybe in some ways you are and others. Thank God you're not. But uh, I can remember I was in at El Bethel Baptist Church in Wadesboro, North Carolina, and I believe it was Brother Doug Thompson was up preaching, and he was preaching out of Philippians about sharing the sufferings of Christ. And he was basically up there saying that God will not use you unless you go through some suffering first. You're going to have to suffer. <laughs> I wasn't shouting him on. But there I sat, and, I, and then the context of this is, I'm pretty sure I had either preached already that night or was going to be preaching later on that evening. I was already surrendered to preach. I'm pretty sure I was already surrendered to come to South Dakota. So I'd already surrendered. But now there's something, there's more good news. You're going to suffer. And I can remember sitting in that church pew at El Bethel Baptist Church, and I can remember, and literally I prayed. I'm, I'm kind of almost ashamed to admit this, but maybe you can understand it. I remember sitting in that, that service and praying, Lord, if there's any way you can use me greatly without me suffering, <laughs> that's the route I want to take. I prayed that. Uh, because I, I think he even went so far, man, he is, he is preaching, and I think it's a quote from somebody that God's not going to use a man until he hurts the man. I can't remember the way he was putting it. And I'm like, good gracious. And that may not put it quite like that. But the point is, there can be some suffering along the way. Hard times. I believe it's in Acts 6. The Bible says that Paul actually taught the new converts how that through much tribulation they'll enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's a part of his discipleship course. It's going to be tough. So you surrender, and it might be hard. You surrender. What happened when Paul surrendered? Oh, nothing. He just got beat up thrown into jail, beat up again, thrown into jail again. Matter of fact, you know what? I mean, listen, I get to preach out from time to time, and normally hotel accommodations are made, but there's times maybe I'm going out of town for a conference to where maybe I'm uh, trying to make, uh, make preparations myself, you know, and get the, the hotel reservation. But did you know, Eric, that, God, that Paul didn't even have to do that? Because he knew that the local jail or prison was going to be open, and that's where he'd probably spend the night when he came to town. It wasn't easy. But so I want to encourage you tonight, if you're like me and you want to say, God, use me, but leave the suffering out of it. Well, I tell you, God hasn't done that. But I tell you what God has done. He's helped me to see, and, and I, again, compared to some people, I, uh, it's, it's, it's something how you look at suffering. And I sure hadn't suffered what so many, uh, a lot of the people have had to go through. But the suffering... Uh, now, he rejoices. He rejoices in suffering. 
You say, is this guy nuts? Is, is he some kind of sadist or something, you know, to where he, he, he says, God, yeah, just, I want to feel the pain. You know, that's not what it is. But, he, but literally, there's a couple things about it. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 talks about the fellowship of his sufferings. The fellowship of his sufferings. See, Christ suffered... So if, if you surrender to Him and you have to go through suffering or tribulation or difficult times, there's going to be some fellowship in it. And, and, and the fellowship of His sufferings, we enter into what He entered into, but therefore He is there to uh, be with us, to comfort us, to help us, to go through the fire like He did with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Matter of fact, in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, I like it where uh, Paul, he rejoiced because he was counted worthy to suffer shame for Jesus' name. You ever get made fun of for being a Christian? Maybe for some of the standards you have as a Christian? You know, I think about uh, the teenagers sometimes. I, I know it, it can happen to them. You know, that there can be some people that just feel so sorry for you. Oh, you got to go to church and, you know, your parents don't uh, let you do this and let you do that. And, man, young person, don't be a fool. Amen. Uh, but that can be hard sometimes. But you just need to say, by the grace of God, man, I thank God for my parents. I thank God. They don't always do everything right. Uh, but, man, they're trying, and I'm glad I get to hear about the Lord. And I'm glad, that I, I'm glad my parents care enough about me. And, I, and I'm telling you, there's no doubt that there's some young people in our church that say, well, man, I kind of wish my parents cared enough to know where I was at. I kind of wish my parents cared enough to say, you know, this, you know, that, I mean, I'm telling you. They probably wish they had that. But the point I'm just simply trying to make is this. Man, people can make fun of you. I was talking to one of our young people the other day, and they were talking about being made fun of for being a virgin. They were getting made fun of for being a virgin. Uh, you know, which to me is ironic. But I, I, get, I get that. I get that kids do that kind of stuff. But man, you can't let nobody shame you for being a virgin. Matter of fact, I mean... In, in truth, I think you could almost turn it around. If anything, they should be the ones getting made fun of, not that you should make fun of them. But, you know, there's something about you being a virgin. There, what you are, it's, it's just like I heard, you may have heard it before, but it's just like the young girl that was being uh, just, uh, just the kids with the girls were teasing her and teasing her and teasing her about being a virgin. And she was just trying to keep her mouth shut and ignore them. But then finally one day she opened up her mouth and looked at them and she said, you know what? She said, I can be what you are any day, but you can never be what I am. You can never be what I am. And I know that, you know, I, I know there's, you know, you know, pe people mess up and whatever. But I'm just saying, don't let people make fun of you for living for God, for standing for God. And even if you have messed up in your life, for saying, you know what, not anymore. You know, not anymore. This is the life I'm living. I'm living it for Christ. He has my best interest at heart. It's a blessing to suffer for His name. Now, I, and I know that's not quite the suffering that's being talked about, but it's hard when you're getting, people's giving you a hard time for being a Christian. You may not be, be getting beat up and thrown into jail. But uh, in another place, in 1 Peter, the Bible says that we need to suffer as a Christian. Uh, here's one of the things I'll say about suffering. By faith, here's one of the things. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. The Apostle Paul, he said, I'm tired of this suffering. All right? So it's not that Paul enjoyed pain and enjoyed suffering, 
And so he went to God and he asked God, he had a thorn in his flesh. You ever had a splinter? You ever been stuck by a thorn? And it wasn't a literal thorn, but he was just saying, I've got something that's aggravating me constantly. I've got this pain. I've got this disease. Whatever it was that Paul was dealing with. So he goes to God and he says, Lord, take this away from me. God doesn't take it away. So he goes again and says, God, will you please take this from me? I'm surrendered to you. I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to make a difference for you. Nope. Finally, Paul says the third time, God, will you please take this away? God finally says, no, I'm not going to take it away for you, from you, Paul. You're going to continue to have this thorn in your flesh. But here's what Jesus said to him. And the Bible says this, and he said unto me, here's what Jesus spoke to him, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. <laughs> so then Paul says, most gladly therefore, most gladly therefore, will I rather glory or boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, in other words, he experienced the fellowship of God's suffering. The power of God rested upon the apostle Paul. The presence of Jesus Christ was there with him. And he says, man, this power, this presence that I have in my life, this is better than feeling well. This is better than not going through this pain at all. Hashtag goals, right? Pretty hard, amen? Uh, but that's what he said. That's what he said. Most gladly, therefore. And so, this thing of surrender. I mean, when it comes to devoting our life to the cause of Christ, Paul was devoted to the Gentiles. He's devoted to the church. See, a lot of times we ask this question. You ever ask this question? What will I get out of it? What will I get out of it? When the question really ought to be this, how much will God let me put into it? Amen. How much will God let me put into it? Uh, I, I want to close tonight. I, I had a few more things I wanted to say, but I'm going to have Miss Kim just come and play softly on the piano. And uh, you say, Preacher, you had me close to surrender until you got on that suffering business. Just when I thought I'd be able to trust him, you know, with what he decides about my future, then you're telling me that suffering could be in my future? Well, I'll let you on another little secret. More than likely, suffering's in on your future whether you surrender to God or not. Amen? Amen. This is life, people. And we're going to suffer. But I'd rather suffer for Christ's sake. I'd rather suffer in the will of God. Amen?